0: Fourth Grow Mental Health Recovery Podcast. My name is Sheila Tracy, and I'm here this evening as part of our creating hope and staying positive while facing COVID-19. This week the overall theme um, has been about the importance of routine, but we covered quite a bit of that last week. And um, I think this week has proved a difficult one just in terms of we're four or five weeks in and um, we kind of felt that the theme of hope might be more useful and appropriate to touch on tonight in in the podcast. This week, I'm joined by Mike Watts and I'm sure some of you are already familiar with Mike and with his grow story. Mike's recovery story was one of the first that I heard when I joined grow and it really gave me a sense of hope. um, I suppose in the first few days after joining and not knowing much about grow. And so I I felt you'd be a a great guest tonight. So over the past 40 years, Mike has been involved and grow in a number of different roles. Firstly, as a member, then as a field worker, then as National Programme Coordinator. And Mike has also rejoined the board recently as a board member. So, Mike, you're very welcome. And thank you for joining me this evening.
1: Thanks, Sheila.
0: Um, so, Mike, as I mentioned, you, um, your story was one of the first ones that I heard um, at the conference last September. Um, just being a few days in and when you spoke about how yourself and Fran had had joined and how your recovery experience would grow, it was so inspiring and full of hope that would you, would you kind of share that with us tonight just for, for our listeners?
1: I will. I'd be glad to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a long story. And um, my mental health issues sort of became apparent when I left school. Um, I really didn't like being at school. I was at a boarding school, and I had loads of issues which I, I couldn't articulate because I didn't know what they were. But I couldn't wait to leave school. And then when I did leave school, I found I just couldn't cope. I, um, I became increasingly paranoid. I didn't know anybody because I'd gone to school two hundred miles away, and um, I kind of felt that the whole village where I lived, was aware of me the whole time, and it made life very very difficult. Um. I've always been a good physical worker, so I worked on farms and things like that, but um, I had very little peace. If I was working, I, I'd be okay, and and then I started using alcohol because it, it kind of gives you a temporary release, but in the long term, it made my problems um, even worse, and it just became a spiral of um, losing hope, not knowing what to do with my life, being completely um, for want of a better word pissed off with who I was hadn't a clue what I wanted to do with my life I couldn't I had a few friends but we were mainly drinking bodies. Um, they were good friends they were and they still are um, friends but it wasn't very helpful I had nobody I could sit down with because I didn't know what was wrong and um, and I didn't want to say that anything was wrong anyway so eventually I went traveling and um When I did that, I started getting involved with um, soft drugs and became very, very paranoid. Um, I travelled as far as India and um, began to think that uh, uh, I I was staying on a hotel roof and there was a wedding in the street and I thought that the noise of the wedding meant that people were attacking the hotel trying to get at me and it was very, very frightening. and I spent a few months, it's all kind of mixed up that part of my life. But for the next couple of years, um, that, w- that was the story of my life, just running away, trying to find something, and nothing really worked. And then I met Fran, and that was a huge turning point for me. I actually met her in Kabul, in Afghanistan. Okay. Um, I'd driven overland um, to buy antiques i didn 't know anything about antiques, but I knew they had plenty in um in Afghanistan, so I sold them in London. but I met Fran and for me, that was a huge turning point i I really was smitten, i suppose for it wasn't reciprocated um, and <laughs> I wrote to her nearly every day and got one card back about every three months, sort of yeah how yeah uh. but anyway uh it progressed um Uh, And the the turning point, what what that meant for me was that I completely stopped doing any kind of drug. I I knew that that wasn't helpful. I still used to um, drink quite a lot. But I went back to physical work and I was determined to get myself healthy. I kind of knew instinctively that work, hard work was good for me. Eventually we got married. I'd inherited some money which makes my life a bit unusual and we bought some land in County Clare and uh, we arrived in 1973, March the 8th, 1973. We had a farm, we had outbuildings, we had land, we had wonderful neighbours, they really welcomed us and everything was going to be perfect. I I, I um, was with the woman that I really loved, we were expecting a baby and um, I still couldn't relax with people at all and i still had all the problems that i had but they didn't matter Okay. Um, and then when our first son was born Fran had um, a a psychotic breakdown and um, i was told in the nursing home that she needed to go into our ladies which was the local uh, psychiatric hospital in Ennis and i said no way Uh, nobody nobody in my family is going into one of those places Oh, I forgot to mention, when I came back from India, I eventually, my father was um, a medic, and he, he did a lot of work in mental health. Okay. And he had a friend who was a professor of psychiatry who said, yeah, sure, I'll see him, I'll have a chat with him. So I went along, and um, my first impressions were very hopeful, because he was extremely friendly and very ordinary, and he walked me along a corridor and I thought, this is great, he'll know what to talk about, etc. But he walked me into a room full of students and said, do you mind if um, these people sit in on the interview? Oh and my goodness. I mean, two minutes into the interview, I knew that I did mind. I just thought, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And it made me feel like um, uh, an object, like a kind of a specimen. Yeah. But anyway, he, he gave me the diagnosis of pathological shyness, which is an expression my dad used. My mom thought I had schizophrenia. She was a doctor as well. Okay. And I think I probably did have symptoms of schizophrenia. The paranoia I was hearing voices. Um, uh, so anyway, when, when Fran had her breakdown, I said, no way is she going into a hospital. So I discharged her and Tom and we went home and I had the most terrifying night of my life. Um, I just realized I couldn't cope that that full-blown um, psychosis is bigger than any of us no nobody can deal with it yeah there's no wishing it away it's it's a reality and yeah. um, Fran was kind of screaming that she was in hell she was pulling her hair out in fistfuls oh banging her head on the wall and the scream was just something it was like it was a horrible scream it kind of kept from the depths of of her soul but yeah. so the next day and the neighbors were amazing we'd only been there for three months they may have thought jesus a pair of hippies suddenly land, <laughs> and now they're off their heads yeah but they actually embraced us they really wow. they, they were incredible and um so uh, fran went into our lady's hospital it was a relief uh, everybody there was very nice reassuring you know this happens it will get better but yeah. it didn't get better and okay. three years later, um uh things were a lot worse. Fran was on a huge cocktail of drugs. Um, uh we had three three kids by then. Um we uh it was just life was just chaotic, absolute chaos. It was going from one thing to another. And I think the the lowest point was that Fran and the three kids were brought to um um a convent in Ross Cray for a short holiday okay. and I was left on my own and I thought I can't handle this I can't okay. I can't take it anymore I don't know what's going to happen I can't I can't I can't deal with my own problems I certainly couldn't deal without Fran I was totally dependent on Fran even though she was kind of in 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 awful struggles herself mm. and at that point we stumbled across Grove
0: Okay.
1: And we'd been in other things. We'd been in the charismatic renewal, which nice. was very helpful. We were, became co-workers of Mother Teresa. We were in a, a kind of an encounter group in the hospital, okay. which the doctor kept saying, come on, lads, you have to get stuck into each other. But we were using it to build friendships. And it was, okay. it was nice talking yeah. to other people. But Grow was just, it was just, um, it was something completely different. Okay. Um, uh you felt you kind of belonged and you felt that people, people loved you, that, that you were wanted and the kind of the warmth and the welcome and people talking about the fact that they'd had serious mental health difficulties and were well on the way to recovery.
0: Okay. And
1: then um, we, we had the group had a visit from Con Keo, the founder of Grow and some of the field workers from Australia. Who'd also been diagnosed, Fran by this time had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, and later uh, with bipolar. But she wasn't expected to get better. Yes. And um, nobody expected her to, to get better. And here were people saying, look, if you stay and grow, if you do what you're asked to do, things will improve and you will get better. And you can really hope to have a full and normal life. And it just seemed... Um, almost impossible
0: Hmm.
1: so um,
0: Mike can I just ask at, at that time did you feel when before I suppose or at the time when you had just started grow did you feel hopeless as well as when you're being given those kind of you know there's there's no chance of recovery type she's going to be sick forever did you feel that as well or did you still feel there was hope of her recovery or
1: no, I always believed that she could recover. And I don't know where that came from. Yeah. On the one hand, I believed that Fran could recover. I believed yeah. I could recover. But on the other hand, I had this huge fear that okay. if what might happen. And yes. I was absolutely full of fear. Fran was full of rage. She okay. was just so angry about what had happened to her. Yes. And so everybody in, in, in Grow is different. But um, it took me about a year to really level with the group of my story as well, because I was there bringing bringing Fran. We were in the same group and we were told we shouldn't be in the same group. And I used to butt in when they were asking Fran how she was getting on. So I was asked to leave the room, which was kind of a reality check for me. But pretty soon we began to get the idea of having tasks and my tasks. Were things first of all just to do with this this fear of other people it was it was tangible if i met people i just used to go rigid anybody i don't know if there's a name for it um but it, it, it wasn't agoraphobia it was people phobia yeah yeah social <laughs> phobia i suppose that's what they call it so i got tasks of things like if you meet somebody say hello it doesn't matter if you feel it's the wrong thing to do to keep your head up and and they gave me a couple of bits out of the book. And the one I remember was, don't be shy about being shy. And for being told I was pathologically shy, that used to make it, it actually physically changed me. I could feel it inside me, making me laugh. Yes. So from there, I, I began to progress with um, joy, uh, looking at the creamery, um, start looking up and checking, is everybody watching you the whole time? And they weren't. Crack a joke in the village shop, loosen up a bit, when you're playing cards with the neighbours, try and loosen, break this this awful emotional um, prison that you're in. Um, When you're out on your own, sing a song, um, learn a song. Um, And then um, Joni Baines from Australia, who'd been diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic, I used to ask people should we move from the farm? Because it was extremely isolated. Okay. And they said, no, people break down in towns, they break down in the country. Yes. But Joni said, look, it's like being in solitary confinement for Fran. You should move. We had no phone. Fran couldn't drive. They were extremely primitive conditions. So we moved moved into Ennis. And I got a job in a factory. And that was the best thing. It was the first time in my life I'd had a bit of fun with other people. At school, yeah. I didn't want to be there. I wouldn't allow myself to, to enjoy the fun. Um, we played football. It was just, it was just magic. Um, yeah. And then from there, I went to, back to uh, Galway University. And the first year I studied uh, philosophy, psychology, English, and, so, and um, sociology. Okay. And I had incredible teachers. Michael D. Higgins was a teacher who was incredibly inspirational. Okay. And it, it just fitted. I also began to get involved in the arts. I joined a, a writers group, uh, which was called Poetry Goreway. I actually started it. And then wow. that became Salmon, the uh, pro- prominent publishing house now. Okay. Um, Fran got involved in drama. She got involved with the ICA and uh, Sabina Higgins was in it. And um, they entered a, a drama competition and Fran got Best Actress. Wow. And Sabina got the director. But that, that's kind of by the by. So skip forward. I started working for Grow. Yes. I was in a different place. I still had a lot of challenges. I was still okay. educating myself about how to express my emotions, how to control my emotions. Okay. Um, but I now had a job. I had a job that I loved. Um, we, we, we moved to Kilkenny. And things that I found helpful there outside of Grow were things like Toastmasters. Um, You know, learning public speaking, learning how to channel your energy. We joined dancing classes, uh, art classes, anything, music. I learned to play the tin whistle. Um, And now we play, I play in a group, we play in pubs. and You know, it's part of my life. I play every day and I just love it.
0: Okay. so you really so expanded your horizons. Like there are yeah, so yeah. many different
1: niches there. Yeah. Yeah. And Fran's Fran's progression was different. She did things like a back to work course for women. Um, she got CE schemes. She worked with the arts officer. She did a course in horticulture. She worked uh, got six month job with the county council okay. on the, the the roads. And then she did a caring course. And now okay. she works at carer but. I suppose the amazing thing of our story is that after 15 years, we discovered that we, uh, Fran was, we were expecting another child. Oh, wow. So Fran at that time was then only on lithium. She'd been on 18 tablets a day. Wow. But they said, come off the lithium while you're pregnant. Yes. And then go back on it when, when your baby's born, which she did. But okay. she knew that she didn't need it anymore. So with the psychiatrist's help, he said, look, I think you, you will need it. Okay. But I will help you. So over a period of nearly a year, he, he gladu- gradually reduced it, then got her to monitor her moods. And that was 32 years ago. Okay. So, I mean, it, it really is um, an, an incredible story. It is. Um, and I think the third part of my recovery was kind of getting involved in trying to improve the mental health system. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the privilege of being on the Mental Health Commission. Yes. Um, I chaired the group that um, produced its first document on a vision. It was really for transforming the system from a purely medical model to yes. one that builds in people's experience. Okay. I, I've been an advisor to Amnesty International with, with another group called a- uh, Recovery Experts by Experience. Yes. And it's been, a, it's been a tremendous journey. It really and has. Yeah. It has. And, and now... I kind of, I mean, I, I've still, still got all the problems everybody has of dealing with life. But I have this sense that um, life is a gift and that you it's something to be enjoyed and lived. And I just love the Grow Programme, the mm-hmm. whole idea of loving people back to health,
0: yes. uh,
1: of allowing yourself to be loved back to health, yes. um, of allowing yourself to discover that you have talents and I have so many now. I draw, I paint, I sing, I, I play the whistle. I, um, we have a big garden. We've done the Camino, um, and yet there are times when you can still find yourself up against it. But yeah, you know, life is full of problems.
0: Yeah, but Mike, it's, it's exhausting when you're listing all the things you do. I'm 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 exhausted listening to you know, it. Yeah. But it's it's funny. There's um there's one thing I think um that when you were chatting there about. The, the fact that you tried so many things. And I know one of the, the phrases in, in the book is, you know, it's worth trying something at the start, even if, even if you're trying it badly. And yeah, I suppose yeah. there's, there's sense in that you, you gave everything a try, you, you know, and there's a very kind of approach, isn't there? To that.
1: Yeah. When I was doing psychology in Galway, the, the only reference to mental health in the whole course was that mental, uh, mental health was referred to as positive striving. Okay. And that's what it is. It's yes. all the time trying. It doesn't matter how many times you fall over. Yes. It's, it's just as difficult to live with the symptoms of mental illness as it is to put the effort in to overcome them.
0: Okay. Yeah. And does that, I mean, I suppose one of the questions I wanted to ask you was that, do you think people are naturally optimistic or pessimistic? Or is that something that I suppose that people who come across as optimistic work on?
1: Everybody's different, and, mm. and the, the two things are there in everybody. I mean, bipolar, <laughs> bipolar in a way, is is a, a swing from yes. total pessimism to over-optimism. Yeah. And um, so it's, I, I think recovery is really an educational progress process mm-hmm. of learning how to cope with your emotions and, mm-hmm. and, um, and how to deal with, with all the difficult things that life... Might throw at you, but also being able to enjoy it when it's going well.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and I suppose to when things are tough, and you can even with I suppose in the COVID nineteen challenge that it is, it's nearly been able to look forward to things going back to the way they were. So I know a lot of people are kind of posting photographs on social media of their holidays last year, in in an effort Mm -hmm. to kind of think of this is what we will be doing hopefully next year, you know, or when when it happens. And I think some people. Are, they just seem to be better at that and they kind of you know pull us all along with them so it's it's yeah. to and be that that kind of driven person who who can you know see the positivity and see that things will improve
1: but i think that's one of the secrets of grow is that other people in the group can yes. see your potential and they can see your strengths they can see, they can endorse the effort that you've made yes. um i i know chris Chris Fitzgerald from she was uh, she was my successor. Yes, she said that Grow is the only organisation where you get a round of applause for thinking about getting out of bed one morning. (laughs) But yeah,
0: and and it's
1: so true. the first little step.
0: Yes, and And you
1: need you need that. Yes, and I I don't actually think it's about getting back to where you were before. It's discovering something completely new. I think this COVID thing is asking. Us as a, as a species, we don't need to go back to three holidays a year. No, and um, we need to start finding, you know, how can we live in uh, the three the three fundamental questions in growth? How can we live in security and love and harmony? That's okay. one of the questions. What yes. may we for? What am I worth?
0: Mm-hmm. Those are
1: the three questions, and they're absolutely vital for mental health. Yes, I don't think I don't think people really realize how valuable the grow program is it's it's a condensed wisdom of 50 years of people in america australia and ireland um pooling their wisdom saying what is it that makes life worth living and i know in in your um questions before, before we started you were looking at the first principles of grow yes you know those are the things grow grow is you work through it in three stages you're a beginning grower and you become familiar with the pieces of the program and i would say to people in the covid learn the program learn one piece off by heart every week okay try and put it into practice in your life and keep a diary and if you were working on personal value for us um, for instance yes which is the very first principle ask yourself at the end of the day did i value myself during the day And if I did, what was it that made me value myself? Or if I didn't value myself, why didn't I? And, you know, what gave me that sense of value? Was it somebody ringing me? Was it um, watching a a recovery story on on the net? Was it identifying with somebody in a film? Or, or, you know, so... um, But the first five principles, they're brilliant. Con used to say that grow is self-activation through mutual help it's not a self-help group it's a group where you you activate yourself and you're the only person that can can carve out your recovery path but you can but you can't do it on your own okay and and you you get hope by listening to other people's progress by allowing yourself to be helped by other people when i went to grow if somebody touched me i'd jump i was like a Ah. coiled wire but people used to naturally just put their hand on my, round my shoulder in the meeting. Okay. And it was just like pure balm, you know. It was, it was unreal. Yeah. It was bringing you back in. And, and another thing you asked me was the term re-enchantment with life. Yes,
0: yes. I, I, just when I was kind of reading different pieces, that was a yeah. phrase you used a lot. And I, I thought it was a really interesting one.
1: Well, I, I was lucky enough, and GROW was uh, generous enough, the last few, f- few years of my working life, part of that was to do a PhD, to research GROW, to, to ask 26 members of GROW how had GROW helped them recover. Okay. And the themes that emerged, the main theme was that recovery through GROW is a re-enchantment of life. Okay. It's, it's realizing from inside, that you're, you that you really have a value, yes. Realizing that you have potential, that you belong, that you have um, uh, things that you can do that nobody else can do. Okay. Um. Um. And it, it, so, reenchantment took place in three phases. People describe being trapped within what what I call dialogues of terror. Okay. So they came from your emotions, but also from your physical kind of feelings of, of chaos inside. Okay. When, when something really bad happens, yes. you go into a sense of chaos. And then you would have terrifying thoughts. I want to kill myself. I can't go on. Um, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Everybody knows I'm, I'm no good. So those are terrifying thoughts. And yet, so you're trapped in those dialogues. Yeah. What GROW provides is dialogues of hope. And they're they're listening to people, they're also being part of a group where you walk in, Hiya Mikey, how are you doing? I mean, that kind of thing was yeah. just it's yeah. so healing. But yeah. then say, Look, Mike, what are you doing with your life? You can do this, you can overcome that. This is what you, you try this next week, or or what do you want to try next week? Yeah. And then you come to the comes to a point when you know that you're you're better. that you, 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 And then you can start choosing what you want to do with your life. So yes. then society begins to provide dialogues of becoming. Okay. So for me, there were things like being a field worker, psychology, music, art. I was going to have an art exhibition this, this uh, summer. I have 11 paintings in the room next door, wow. but it, uh, Arts Week's been cancelled. So but it, there'll be another year. So Exactly and those are things i wouldn't have dreamed of and yeah. everybody has things that you can you can aim at and become and i've got so many friends in in Grow, all around the country it's like a huge family i yeah. could go anywhere in the country and i would know somebody because i traveled the whole country That's and amazing. i I'm i could get a bed for the night i could get a meeting <laughs> <laughs> no if i wanted to
0: yeah uh, absolutely yeah. and it's uh, funny mike when you're, when you're saying that i mean there's one thing that strikes me at the moment is a lot of us have an awful lot of time on our hands that we we didn't you know anticipate us having and there's things that you always say to yourself oh I'd love to try my hand at that but I've I've never quite had the time and I think there's there's people now trying things you know whether it's baking or gardening or painting the house yourself or whatever that is and it's I suppose maybe when we when we come to the end of this and restrictions are lifted it it might be the time that you've discovered a new hobby that you didn't quite know
1: allow yourself to try new things
0: yeah yeah and I suppose it's about knowing as you say knowing the time when you're you're better and you're well enough to to i suppose step outside the group or to let society kind of produce those yeah yeah for you
1: and if you're not then then keep in touch with other members of the group Allow yes. them to feed your spirit and, and feed your own spirit. Um, at the end of every day, congratulate yourself for every, you know, even if you've only done one little thing that you aim to do, at the beginning of every day, have an achievable goal. Yes. It might be, I'll stay out of bed till half past ten. Yes. And if you do that, fantastic. Yes. You know, within two weeks' time, you'll be staying out of bed until lunchtime or the afternoon. And yes. start where you are and begin to, begin to, Pave a way out of this, uh, out out of the prison of of your emotions and your thoughts, and and most most of us have have um, things that need healing. You know, the scary events that took place, different forms of uh, needn't be abuse, but it can be um, family problems, communication gaps, being hurt. It mm-hmm. needn't be abuse. It can. I mean, we all hurt each other, yes. um, whether we mean to or not. So. yeah Yeah,
0: that's true and um, something that has kind of come up over the last few weeks is is seeing good in yourself and Mm. if people i think are spending a lot of time cocooning or maybe spending a lot of time in a house on their own and not having interactions with other people is, is it really important to to just remind yourself that what you're good at you know what or how how should people manage that just in terms of
1: it's it depends where you're at. It, it becomes easier, but I don't think any of us find it easier no. to see points. We don't. So no. you can sit down and, and I I did a step four and five, okay. um, making a an moral and a personal inventory, yes. and writing down what what you're good at and yes. ask yourself. You know, explore yourself. You know, if you've had a life of depression, you have huge endurance. You really do. You probably have a, an awful lot of humility as well okay. because, you you, you you know, so you can find things, but it's very difficult to do it totally on your own. So I would uh, urge people, if they can, join an online group. I, I had to have three attempts at getting onto my online group in Kilkenny because I'm not okay. very good technologi- technologically, but <clears throat> the third attempt, I made it. So... Brilliant,
0: brilliant. And how did you find the online group?
1: A bit weird, but it's uh, it's, it's good because we know each other in the yes. group. Yes, yes. And um, we're, we're a pretty strong group and I think everybody in the group, we, we do, we know each other. And okay. We're, we're pretty good friends, yeah. yeah.
0: And did you find, Mike, that after a while you tend to forget that you're online? That, you know, at the start it's quite, you know, awkward or a little bit yeah. unusual and then once the... The normal chat yes. starts yeah. you, you do kind of forget so that's that's good and yeah. um, i suppose just in, in in keeping hope at the moment um mm. are you finding what, what are you finding works for you uh it, as you, you know get up in the morning what are the kind of thoughts you try to to fill well, your day with
1: i have i have a routine and it's forget. a really nice routine i have a big garden so I have my breakfast, and then I walk round the garden eighteen times. Really, it takes <laughs> an hour, and um, I, I'm noting all the things I need to do. We grow our own vegetables, and we have masses of flowers, and I have a tunnel. Wow. But I, I also, I also um, say say some prayers. I, I do. I'm, I'm trying. I I am a Catholic. I I know a lot of people in Grow aren't, and <clears throat> I'm not trying to proselytise, but I try, I, I do, I say, I say my morning prayers. Okay. And then, and then uh, I play music for an hour. And then um, we, we watch mass, of <laughs> myself do you think I'm really religious. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm trying to make sense of what's happening. But then, but then we have lunch and then I watch, uh, I watch a bit of telly because I find telly very relaxing, so I usually yeah. watch. And then it's the garden. All yep. afternoon.
0: Wow.
1: And then I do a bit of writing, um, a bit of drawing, painting, music in the evening. So whatever. So the days aren't long enough. But at, at the same time, I have a daughter who's a doctor in England. I'd be very worried about her. She sure. works in a hospice. And okay. there is COVID-19 in that hospice. Okay. Her husband's a doctor. He works in A&E. So he's on a daily basis. Okay. So um, totally. I have... Um, you know, I have all the worries that everybody else has, and and they're they're there, they're real in the background. Yes. And if you let them, they could they could start getting to you. So I know. I think. So, yeah, I hope I hope that's that's satisfactory. Answer. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
0: No, I've yeah. I've really enjoyed really enjoyed chatting to you, Mike. As I say, from that first introduction to um grow at the national conference and um, i had wanted to to kind of catch up with you and hear your story in, in full so i really appreciate you making the time for for our podcast Thanks. and i think the the fact that it's yourself and fran telling that story it's it's just it tells it i suppose from a a pair or a, a partner's point of view as well and the two of you going through it together so it's a it's a mm. it's a really nice one to hear um,
1: yeah, and it hasn't been e- easy for, no. for either of us. At times, there's been times when we've driven each other nuts, when we've come very close yes. to splitting up, and but we haven't. And and uh, you know, we we're still hanging in there, and yep. we have a good relationship, and we have four four lovely kids.
0: So, Mike, thank you so much for joining me this evening, and taking us through your story. Um, Of recovery and friends and just letting us know that there there is hope of recovery and that recovery is possible. Um, To all of you listening in I hope that you found um, this evening's chat uh, helpful and please do keep an eye on our website um, for more coping tips um, in this challenging time when we're faced with COVID-19. Do also check back in next week for our fifth topic which is on the importance of self-care and I'll be joined by another great panel of GROW experts. You can finally um, find a contact list of any mental health crisis lines if anyone you know should need them. Um, But otherwise, stay safe and stay well. And thank you for listening in.